Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Shorts. I'm glad to have you along with us today. It's Saturday morning where we like to talk about the, some practical applications of being a Christian in the world in which we live today. We live in a fallen world. More and more, it's getting difficult for Christians to ask, how do I navigate some of the, the ideas, some of the, the pressures that I face to live in our modern world, the economic places that we're facing, we want to talk about today, the economic challenges, and some of the cultural issues that we're facing. How do we live? How do we navigate? We're called not to be of the world, even though we're in the world. We're called not to be conformed to the world, and we have a mission to change people. Sometimes it comes down to what is our mission to change the world? Do we, is that part of it or not? And these are some questions I want to try and answer today. If you've noticed, and I imagine you have, there have been some, there has been some economic backlash against two companies here recently that have been pretty successful. One is against Budweiser, Bud Light, as they had the, the uh, several couple months ago, they came out and had uh, Dylan McElvaney, I believe is her name, I forget exactly his name, um, promoting their Bud Light beer, and that backfired dramatically. Sales have dropped of that beer. It's probably the brand is destroyed and can never be saved. Who knows? I don't know. That's not my field. But it has been so wounded. I was in a store the other day where I, I don't buy beer, but I saw Bud Light was $20 and a rebate of $15.95 if you bought it. In other words, I had a whole big carton. They're almost giving it away for free. And then we have the Target issue. Target's a a store that obviously a lot of people like to do their shopping in, but they, for Pride Month, introduced um, uh, displays right when you walk in, right in your face about uh, Pride issues, LGBT Pride issues, and particularly much of it focused at children. We're talking about onesies for little babies wearing pride outfits and little children uh, bathing suits for transgenders and so on. And it was, uh, and what we call the mama bears, the the women who are going to fight for their children, they had had enough. They're the big shoppers at Target. Those mamas of, of small children, they're the big shoppers, and they rose up against this, and Target has been... Uh, smashed hard by these mama bears saying, I'm not bringing my kids here, and I've had it with Target, and they're standing up. They love that store. They like to shop at that store, but they're not going to let that that happen. And indeed, Target seems to be getting the message, although probably not fully, but they they don't want to be Bud Lighted. We'll put it that way. So my question for you, what should you do? Should you participate in some of these boycotts? For the first time, some of them seem to be working with Bud Light and and uh, and Target, and yet others we've not, you know, others have not been very successful. Uh, Nike and some of their efforts, people have wanted to boycott them. Netflix, when they came out with some uh, basically child pornography, is essentially what it was with some of their shows. Um. Some of these, uh, some of these have not worked. Disney, 
Uh, there's calls for Disney as it's gone extremely woke, you know, and, and yet that's kind of been hard for people to leave or depart from Disney. It has such a strong uh, pull on young people, young children. What about you? I'd like to give you several comments or several ideas for you to consider what you ought to do. First one's this, like it or not, we're engaged in a cultural war. And what is that? It's really a battle of ideas about what is right and what is wrong. At its root, this gets down to whether or not God is real. I really believe this is true. This, this idea of a cultural war started, first of all, with the whole issue of abortion. And that's when it really came to the fore back in the 80s. But it actually, it started before that because it, when, when prayer was taken out of schools and our education was secularized in the, in the 1960s. And so when education, if all you're thinking is, well, you send your children to school to learn how to read or write or do math problems, that's, that's not what school's about. I hate to say it. School is to indoctrinate in a good way, I hope or to help children know their place in the world, how to grow up, who they are, to understand their identity, to understand their relationship to others, their relationship to society, their relationship to our country, to understand their civic duties, responsibilities. This is all part of education. Like it or not, you might, you might not like it. You might just teach my kid to read. Don't teach him what to think. Teach him how to think. That's naive, friends. Education definitely teaches a young person how to think how to think about the world, how to think about their government, how to think about morality, how to think about what's right and wrong. It's chosen the books that are chosen to read. They don't just teach them to read. They give them books to read that are designed to mold their mind. This is what education's about. And so this cultural war in the 60s when we moved away from faith in God and we excluded God from knowledge, as it says in Romans 1.28, we began to have a, what it amounted to a battle of ideas. How do you know what's right or wrong? Do, do I determine it? That's called secular humanism. Or do I? is there a God who has authority in my life? And, and now here we are 50, 60 years later, and we've had a couple generations educated where, where they've been trained, most of the vast majority of our culture has been trained to think as if humans— have the answers. We figured out ourselves. There's no if there's a God, you can believe in God, but he pretty is he's pretty impotent. He's pretty uh, excluded. He's far, far away. He's not part of our lives. Not part of practical life decisions. And many of us are fighting to say he is. This is our history. This is our culture. This is who we are. This is what we believe. We're citizens too. We can participate in in these discussions. These, these important discussions of how we as a people, what we as a people think is right, what we as a people think is wrong, and how we come to those conclusions. Now, like many wars, you might not have been the one to pick it. You might be responding. I'm often asked, for instance, I'm often asked on campus, how come Christians make such a big issue about homosexuality? Aren't there other sins that are, uh, you know, isn't stealing worse? Isn't murder a worse sin and so on? Yeah, but no one's out there advocating for those sin, so for those sins. I don't know anyone who's out there advocating, well, other than in the abortion industry. I don't know anyone out advocating that we should make that, that uh, murder is a good thing or the stealing is a good thing or any other sin is a good thing. 
other than they advocate for abortion and they advocate for the LGBT movement. And so why we make homosexuality as an issue is because we're fighting an ideological battle that we didn't start. We're responding. Our Christian morality and Christian truth was attacked by the sexual revolution, and it started with a, a premarital sex and, and uh, fornication and divorce and and adultery, and so on. And it's now spread, obviously, to the LGBT and the transgender and transgender youth and gender fluidity and all these things. It's all part of an attack on us that we are responding to, and many of us actually are kind of late to the game. But one of the but we are engaged in this battle of ideas. What is right? What is wrong? How's that determined? Does God fit into this? You have a right to speak up about that. And that leads to the second question. At what level should I or should you engage in this battle of ideas? At what level should we engage? Some people engage at the level of prayer. We all ought to be praying for our country. We ought to be praying for our culture. This affects our families, our children, our churches. These ideas, it's, it's not like they say, well, we'll just have our territory and leave you yours. There was once the belief you can believe whatever you want in your, in your church, but no, now these ideas are coming into the church. There's once the idea of the family belongs to, to you, the children belong to the parents, but, but more and more now, the state and the government and the education, the teachers are thinking, no, those, those are our children. We can teach them what to believe. And indeed, we contend they're God's children, by the way. So at what level? Number one, you should be praying about this. You should be educated about this. You should know what's going on. You shouldn't be ignorant. You shouldn't be hiding your head in the sand. You should be aware. There's one reason we talk about these things on Saturdays here, and sometimes at other times as well. These are important issues. You should be educated. You should be aware and alert. You should be in prayer. A third level is you may speak up. I do. I speak up about these things on the campus. I speak up about them here on YouTube. I speak up about them in my emails I write regularly. If you don't subscribe, go to TomThePreacher.com. Subscribe to my daily emails. I speak about these things, and some of us are called to do that more than others. I think all of us need to be courageous, but some of us, this is our gift to speak up, to be more uh, articulate about these things. All of us, at some level, let your voice be heard. Others, more publicly and so on. But how about your money? How about your money? Should, should you participate in this war of ideas related to your money? I'd like to suggest that one reason we're in the predicament we're in today and that we're losing the cultural war largely because the other side has utilized economic power and we haven't. My friends, we have far more economic power, far more economic power than historically than on the left. I remember years ago, we had a student newspaper. It was going out on campuses all over America. And, and, uh, and we couldn't get advertising for it. And we'd, we'd said so many of these Christian businessmen, they put their money advertising in, in uh, newspapers that largely were undermining the things they believed in. But it was reaching the market they wanted to sell to. And here was a newspaper, I don't know, we may have been... Uh, pretty obvious that we we held to a certain point of view. And I, I look now that they may not want to support us, but they could have. 
And that newspaper, and I've often thought, had, had certain Christian businessmen gotten behind it and had it survived and been a leading voice in the university campuses throughout the whole United States of America, how might our world have been different? How might our campuses have been different? How might all the graduates who go into the business world, into the uh, political world, and, and into the marketplace, how might all this have been different had this voice been there that failed due to a lack of positive support economically? Well, likewise, I'd like to say the other side, which has been much smaller, much smaller, those who've advocated for the radical sexual agenda, much smaller in number than the Christian community. And they have utilized economic power, where now corporations are scared to death to be told that they're not inclusive, they're not diverse enough. The Human Rights Campaign, which is the advocate in Washington for the LGBT agenda, they, they score the major corporations. How friendly are they towards uh, the LGBT community and agenda and so on? And if you get a bad score, they are scared to death that they're going to be boycotted by LGBT people. And so they, they bend over backwards. They're not scared of us. We have far more numbers. They're not scared of what Christians will do. They know we don't boycott. Part of it is we don't feel threatened as they do. Part of it is we don't feel marginalized as they do. But those days are coming, are they not? Where we feel, wait a minute, us consumers, for your product, you, you just put this stuff right in our face. You disrespect us. You dishonor us. You, you want our money, but you don't, you don't reflect our values whatsoever. And, and uh, they don't fear that we're going to make any moves there. Let me tell you, in a boycott... Amongst Christians, I've, no, I've noticed amongst LGBT abortion advocates, when they, when they boycott a company because they don't agree with the values of what they are promoting, their agenda, uh, their people get on board. When we do on our side, most people don't. A few strong activists do. There's a, maybe we just call them that, activists or leaders. I put myself in that camp. But by and large, most don't. They say, you know, I, I, I like what Disney offers. I like, uh, I like shopping at Target. I, I, I don't know anyone who says they like the Bud Light, but I like these things. And so they don't get on board. But now it seems as if some are. And we are displaying some of the economic power that we have. And I'd like to encourage that if you've not been a leader, and if you're more of a follower, and this not everybody's a leader, not everyone's an activist, I understand that. And we live in a fallen world. And indeed, I don't know of anything you can buy today where you're probably not going to be promoting someone, some company that's advocating something you don't agree with. But again, what's happened here is when some of these companies are, they're, they're, they've lost any sense of neutrality in these cultural wars. Any sense of neutrality in, in a battle for what's right, wrong, moral, and so on. And they have become advocates on one side, and in Target's case, advocates for children and going after our children, and many believe grooming our children for this lifestyle. And that's a line that's been crossed. And suddenly, our economic power is being noticed. Target has responded. Bud, Light has resp Bud Light's freaking out. Target's freaking out. And some of these other countries, companies are freaking out. 
you will notice the month of June is a month of of uh, rainbow everything that you, in the past, rainbow, 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 and they're not talking about God's promise to not flood the earth. They're advocating the LGBT agenda. And I've noticed that so many of these companies, they had everything rainbow on June 1st, and they've taken it down. Even Major League Baseball, rainbow, rain they, their logo, rainbow on June 1st, and they took it down on June 2nd because they're having an issue with that too out in Los Angeles. My bottom line, friends, we have more power than we realize. We can make a difference. Yes, you should pray. Yes, you should speak up. Yes, you should be informed. But maybe sometimes it ought to mean a little bit. Uh, it should affect your spending decisions. I will share my daughter. She goes to Target all the time. It's the, It's got all the stuff she wants. It's accessible to her house. She's a busy mom. She's got a bunch of kids. And she, she said, you know, that's my favorite store to go to. But she is not going there during the month of June. And she was going to see how that works out for her. And maybe she won't go back when July comes. We'll see. But she's changing her spending during June during this Pride Month. We'll see what next month is like. Now, one final question I want to answer. Is this cancel culture? You know, we don't believe in cancel culture. Here's the difference. A boycott, is a boycott the same as cancel culture? And I would say no. A boycott means I have my money, and if you're going to promote these things, I'm not going to shop or I'm not going to use your services. You, if that's what you want, you won't get my money. Cancel culture goes a step further. Cancel culture would say, I'm going to try and get you out of business. Cancel culture, for instance, would say if someone is a, say, a talk radio host who says something that people don't like, cancel culture uh, not only says, I'm not going to listen to your show, I'm going to contact all your advertisers and threaten, I will never shop there again if you continue to support this show. Cancel culture really is a rejection of free speech. I say Target can do whatever they want, but they're not going to get my money if they do it. But will I go so far as to, um, uh, you know, someone I disagree with, an idea, I'm going to say, if you keep saying that, no way. No, uh, that's that's a, a step further because that really is saying, it's really saying I can't fight your ideas. I've got to just get you silenced. Cancel culture just wants to silence those who they disagree with rather than engage. We engage because we have better ideas. We have truth. Our truth is superior. The truth of God is better. It works. We don't have to run and hide and just say, you're not allowed to talk. We can beat you on a fair playing field. That's all we ask for. Father in heaven, we pray today. We thank you for the money you've entrusted to us. We want to be good stewards of it. We, want, we know that money is just a tool that shows a, a, a use of, of how we meet our needs, how we express what's important to us, the places we give our money and spend our money. Lord, that shows what we believe. And I pray that you would help us to understand in a fallen world, Lord, where, where it seems like often we have to engage in business with people who believe differently than us. But help us, Lord, know where when someone's crossed the line, when what they're advocating is so against what we believe that we just can't support, we just can't give them our business in a free market. We pray for the com companies that are standing up for what's good, right, moral, and godly, 
they would succeed and they would not bow to the pressure I'm sure they're under. And I think, Lord, of those who really have gone all in on the other side, promoting an agenda that that is ungodly and and in our face with their ungodliness, we pray, Lord, that those country companies will come to their senses. We don't ask that they'd fail, first of all. We pray they'd repent. But if not, I pray that you'd help consumers vote with their pocketbooks about what is right and what they want to see in these stores. We pray, Father, for our country. We know that ultimately the gospel is the key. But we believe, Lord, also, we, we, we believe that the gospel needs to go forth. So we want to engage in prayer. We want to speak of what's true. We want to share the gospel. We want to, we want to uh, do all we can, including with the use of our money, to promote what's good, right, and true for a healthy environment for our families, our neighbors, and for people to live in, an environment that would honor you. We pray these things and bless you in Jesus' holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, hey, I went a little bit long today. I hope that's okay. It's an important topic, a lot to say about it. There's a whole lot of others out there. You want to get on YouTube, just just uh, do should, you know, should a Christian boycott Target or whatever. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, uh, some of it's funny. Some of it's very thoughtful. You can en- enjoy it. God bless you. So glad to have you along with us today. If you're new, welcome. I hope you'll come back regularly because we're every single day. We talk about the Word of God, how it applies in our life, and uh, we'll enjoy if you join us as well. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.